0: Let's go, Brandon. How about it? Let's go, it? Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Uh, just Brandon. Have you seen Brandon? No, I you think haven't? he got lost. Let's go, dude. If you if you were to meet Brandon, you would look at him and you would you just like hang out with him for a couple minutes, and you are just like, let's go, dude. Let's yeah.
1: go. Let's yeah, go, Brandon.
0: That, that was. Uh that was
1: quite the Babylon Bee article today where this <laughs> said Southwest planes were flying with the banner of Let's Go Brandon behind the jets. And I was like, Let's Go Brandon. And had to immediately put that <laughs> into Google to find out what meme had happened. Yeah. And was
0: smiling. It so. came out sometime last week, I think. And immediately both the Daily Wire and the Hodge twins had Let's Go Brandon t-shirts. Which I just That's wish amazing. we were as good at merchandising as them. Yeah. Uh, totally Whoops. hilarious. Also I I don't know what what um, station the lady was on. If if you don't know what we're talking about, Google, let's go Brandon and know that there is there is objectionable language in the Keep clip. Keep your
1: children away from the audio track. Yeah, put
0: put your children away. Put your headphones mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Don't put your headphones on your children. That completely defeats the purpose. Regardless. Yeah. Do you think she actually heard what was being chanted and was actually trying to cover it up or was she just a complete idiot cuz i could see it going both ways
1: yeah i i i don't know i mean she she like takes a oh, take a, big a guess con-
0: take a guess on her
1: if you if you uh, ha- gun to your head which one was it what do you think gun to my head she's standing in the middle of the field and can't hear it and it's kind of filling it in that's gun to my head
0: okay i i, I feel very similarly i i don't yeah. know that she was but also i could i could also believe that she's like you can't say that on TV. So she's like right. trying to cover for anyway, totally. We need hilarious. to hunt her
1: down for an exclusive interview to really get to the bottom, to get to
0: the bottom of this. Um, regardless, let's go, Brandon. I think we can all agree. <laughs> Everyone let's, can. Let's go, Brandon. His approval ratings are proving it out. So. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon um, it's hard to, it's hard to use it euphemistically because it's the opposite so you can't just be like, man, yeah. that Brandon's a real problem. It's like, yeah. the better Brandon gets, the you know, it's it's difficult. Yeah. Regardless, yeah. shining star, love that guy, <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> fly me to the moon. <laughs> Regardless, harks and alarms. Thank you for joining us once again. On the internet. You have logged in successfully. Your ISP is still sending bits and bytes your way, which means for at least the time being, you haven't posted what you actually think to Facebook. This is carpooling the internet's greatest show. Thank you for joining us. It is a show that will get you fired. Please. uh, Now, I feel like the vaccine mandate is really giving us competition because just as soon as we rebrand to the show that'll get you fired then the vaccine's like ah but i'm the shot that will get you fired gosh (laughs) you know what i'm saying
1: that's so annoying we have to get a new thing
0: it's the same as like when chuck schumer said said retarded on a podcast right and i was like quit moving into our lane right and when Jerry Seinfeld started doing Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and I'm like, we revolutionized the car podcast. We did this first, Jerry. Get out. I feel like this is just the latest thing of of uh, now the medical industry moving into carpooling territory. And it really Wasn't just shows Seinfeld- what trendsetters we are.
1: Wasn't Seinfeld enough for that man? I mean, why does he have to get into our business? It's kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't show up at the at the, you know, comedy bar underground and heckle you for... I, I don't get up on stage right before you, and are like, have you ever tried these peanuts? I mean, they're so small, but salty. Like, <laughs> I I wouldn't do that to you, Seinfeld.
1: Yeah. Why are you and doing I don't, this to me?
0: And I don't put on a wig, and
1: turn on the camera, and start going, we have to wear more masks! So, oh,
0: I don't get you're it. You're good at that. Unfortunately Thanks. good at that.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I also feel like that... I feel like a part of that, Christopher... Is like you remember Monsters Inc.
0: Is it? Yes. Ross, the oh slug? my gosh, the lady yeah. <laughs> who does the always watching bit. Yeah, that's another meme for the internet. Go ahead. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. She is the proto-Fauci. In fact, I, I think she formed a chrysalis <laughs> and then <laughs> waited waited until a, a large pandemic and triumphantly Dr. Anthony Fauci emerged. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate that guy. Like, in a loving Christian way. I hate his guts. You know what I'm saying? Leave the pews. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Anyway... Um, I hope you still have your job. You probably don't If you're statistically if you're in the military or in the medical industry. That's how you can tell it's a real pandemic, Hunter. I know we're so far afield at this point. But you can tell it's a real pandemic when you fire most of the medical staff. So <laughs> not most. Good, I know sure. it's not most. I just it, It's hard to believe what you're saying at that point. Very hard yeah. to believe what you're saying. Especially if the vaccine, which is the reason we're firing people because they don't get it. If it's so necessary that we have to fire the people that don't have it to protect the people that did get it from the people that didn't get it, but it's so important and so good and so useful, yes, that that's why it's just it's yes, it's circular reasoning at its finest. It makes it makes absolutely no sense, hmm. and um, I'm sick of it. And if I could go back and suck the vaccine out of my veins, I wouldn't because that's exactly what these Liberal conspiracy. coastal elites want you to do, yes. like I, 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 I'm not. I'm not saying this is the going rate. We're but just saying if you this think is th- a true conspiracy, if you think that there aren't people in Hollywood right now that are gleeful that so many people in the middle of the country, the the deplorables, the irredeemable rubes in the middle of the country aren't getting vaccinated and therefore are dying at higher rates. If you think that they're not happy that their rhetoric is pushing that behavior, I I've got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn, my friend. I, it's just not true. It's just yeah. not true. Um, so go get vaccinated. Do it. Prove them wrong. Prove, prove them wrong. <laughs> you want <laughs> my, you want my guns? Come kiss me for them <laughs> no, <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> Google Google that <laughs> sentence if you want a great video. Um, hmm. All right. Big show today, Hunter. We've got a huge topic. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited, actually, because today we're going to review not just a book, but a banned book. Yeah, we're f- living up to our Fahrenheit 451,
1: maybe, that's the title of that book, and our George Orwells and our Brave New Worlds, we're really just... Living up to those books, which is a great, great
0: thing to do, in my opinion. It's—I know you're being a little facetious, but you're almost not being facetious. No, I'm this, not. I'm this not being book facetious. Was, well, I mean, like we can still get our hands on it, you know. Yes. And we're talking about it online. It's not like the government's going to come round us up because we say the title of this book. Yes. However, since we got our copy, it has become incredibly difficult to put your hands on one. Yes. And it is, in my opinion, one of the most Interesting, well considered, scientifically based, and empathetic books that I have read in a in a very long time. Once I got the time to actually sit down and read it, I, I absolutely tore through it. And like I said, it it is Verboten, and so we're going to bring you the details from it. and And what's also really cool is that it, we've just miraculously. Uh, finished reading this book at a time when a couple of stories are breaking that actually are relevant to the ongoing tradition of, of the story of this book. So very excited about that. Before we get into it. Yeah. Hunter from your lofty estate, as you put your final, your final uh, decisions in order and and you, you divide up your belongings, please bequeath unto the listener a roadkill. While talking
1: shop on their E.T. project, Demi Lovato said this. I really think that if there was anything out there that would want to do that to us, it would have happened by now. But I think that we have to stop calling them aliens because aliens is a derogatory term for anything. Demi Lovato adds, that's why I like to call them E.T.s. So, yeah, that's a little tidbit, a little information that I learned. Christopher, are you still alive? Are you excited for this rebranding of the X-Files? Demi Lovato is
0: an alien. (laughs) Because human beings have brains. (laughs) That has got to be the dumbest... (laughs) What what does she think is going on? What? Like, what? (laughs) She she thinks... Hold on, hold on, hold on. She thinks somewhere deep underground on Mars right now. <laughs> there are little green men walking around, and they got their they got their hands on a DVD of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and their their summation, their review is that was freaking rude. <laughs> can't Did you hear what they called us? That they now. It, the The chances that they speak English statistically are zero, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, but, and so their context of our language is is not existent. But <laughs> they would know enough to be like, "That's that's freaking rude, man!" <laughs> Can't believe I yeah. said that. Yeah, that's if they exist. She doesn't even know. <laughs> If what she's talking about exists. Uh. <laughs> but she she just assumes <laughs> that this this thing that may or may not exist is offended by a word that they definitely do not know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know about you, but that Scully and Mulder guys are pretty rude. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I saw that and I was like, you know, it's not our typical thing we aim at. It's not that, you know, the normal thing, but we go, we're going to have to take that one on. We're Each to- and every one of her
0: eggs are scrambled. I cannot imagine. I can't imagine what it takes for a human being to come to that conclusion. It's it's shocking. What is Demi it's Lovato famous shocking. for? She's singing. What does she sing? Like, like, connect me to her. And, and I don't know. I'm searching it. What is pop culture? That's not what this show is about. Man, she looks like plastic surgery
1: yeah uh here's a song by her called melon cake all right i'm done (laughs) okay
0: that was enough (laughs) oh my goodness i can you believe can you believe how embarrassed (laughs) we're going to be when when we actually meet the aliens yeah when the cronenbergs show up (laughs) And they start HG Wellsing us into oblivion. And one of them is like, oh no, that's aliens. And they beam down and they're like, come on, man. (laughs) Like, come on, man. Evolve, won't you?
1: (laughs) And then they like put an egg in your
0: stomach (laughs) and then fly away. (laughs) We're differently planted planeted. Oh my dif- god. Differently Lord. planeted. What's what's the wokest way we can describe an alien?
1: Oh, I don't I yeah. Cuz it's definitely not
0: <laughs> extraterrestrial. Extraterrestrial is like African American. Right. We're going right, to have to right, we're going right, to have right. to evolve past that. And you know honey, <laughs> yeah. the only way not to be not to be alienist is to be anti-alienist. And uh, that, yeah. that's why I'm coming up with the wokest term I can. I, I okay. I'm putting the bar in at I'm putting the bar in at differently planeted. Um, that's pretty good. You know what? Let's, let's put it out to the audience. Uh, email us at carlpooling at gmail.com. I want the wokest term for an extraterrestrial being that we could possibly find.
1: If the aliens do come to the earth, does that make them the new white people?
0: Yeah. No, (laughs) I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I like if they okay if they get to the Earth, they are definitely uh-huh. not in the oppressed category, right? Right. So isn't it fine to say alien then? Yeah. Of course like, it is. Maybe it's, maybe all that changes is now you can't say honky. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: becomes the new bad yeah, word. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because like we take like we take J- Jews <laughs> spot in second place. Jews move down to third. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and you can't say you can't say naughty jewish words. So in theory then honky is honky's off the table. Yeah. Yeah. Cracker. Well, who knows. Yeah. I was you beat me to it. Oh, you beat me to sorry. it. Sorry. Man, Hunter, what a special <laughs> treat today. What a special treat. I'm Yeah. I, I'm going to take a demi Lovato, We're going to give you the long walk on a adequately sized pier. Please do not harm yourself in any way, you're a treasure. And you need to keep saying these things so that our show can keep being great. Um, no doubt. That's amazing. Okay, let's shift gears. Seriously, if you if you provide us a different a, a better term than "differently planeted, we'll have you on the show um, to hmm. discuss to discuss your method, how you, how you derived it. That sounds beautiful. Okay, today we're going to talk about a much more serious topic. Yes, we are going to talk about Abigail Schreier's irreversible damage. Uh, Do we want to put a disclaimer at the beginning
1: of this? I don't know how graphic art show is going to get with this.
0: Um, that's I'm kind of putting a feel it. That's probably smart. Okay. So, so let's put it, let's put it this way. There are necessarily going to be discussions in this of, um, gender reassignment surgery, which is going to get into biology potentially. And unfortunately also involves children in this context. Yep. And so that's pretty gross. And, and obviously, we're not going to fetishize that in any way. However, just know that that, that is in the offing in this book, and it's necessary to talk about it. Um, also, there's there's going to be discussions of pedophilia, most likely, because the intersection between this and pedophilia is not irrelevant. So, that too. That's not a trigger warning. That is a, a maybe... Don't let your kids listen to this in the car warning. Not that you should let your kids listen to us anyway. (laughs) Like You should know better than that to start. It's ridiculous. Us and your kids. Yeah. But do tell them not (laughs) to say alien.
1: (laughs) Do tell them not to say alien. Extraterrestrial is okay, but not
0: really. Can you imagine if, if a, a small worm bursts from your child's stomach and turns around and looks at them with fangs that's been incubating inside their chest cavity after a, a winged skin monster with an ovipositor d- uh, yep. put their prey deep inside them? And and they turn around and they go, Spawn. what is this, an alien? <laughs> Can you imagine how embarrassed you'll be as a parent? It's so embarrassing. To hear them use such, such a hegemonic racist term.
1: Yeah, but... Back to our topic at hand. Um, we like saying Alien just as much as the everyone else, but <laughs> like Chris said, uh, this is a pretty um, gruesome topic at times, um, just given the nature of what's happening to people, what doctors are doing. Um, it's upsetting that it's happening to children. Um, it's upsetting a lot of ways that's, that's going through. Um, I know me, when I read descriptions of some of the stuff that's going on, it makes me sick to my stomach. I'm highly sensitive to blood gore and things like that. Um, So maybe you'll have some of those reactions too. We're not going to be super graphic. We're not going to be super gross. We'll try to keep everything as nice and clean as clinical as possible, but just know, you know, that that it's important for you. Why should you keep listening then? Right? Why, what what matters about this? You need to know what's happening. You need to know what's happening to children in the world, and you need to be able to say something about it mm-hmm. um, because it's not appropriate, and it is, is—it is. as we'll get explicit about it, it's causing some serious sacrifices to uh, kids around the United States in another country. Mm-hmm. So um, that that's why you want to know something about this. It's not to glory. It's not to revel in it. It's to know what is being done in the name of compassion, um, and it's really
0: destroying children's future. So, Absolutely. Well said. So let's get into it. Irreversible Damage, for those of you who don't know, is written by Abigail Schreier. She is um, a, a Jewish investigative journalist, you could say. And several years ago, she was captivated by this idea of rapid-onset gender dysphoria, specifically mm-hmm. in young girls. And what that deals with is a phenomenon where children are exposed to the idea of transgenderism or gender dysphoria. Uh, Typically, these girls are already plagued by some other sort of mental ailment, be it anxiety or depression. Um, Body dysmorphia. Body dysmorphia is a really common one. And they very quickly, and usually in groups, latch on to this idea of transgenderism and and use it as a lens through which to define their current situation. And it's interesting. It's, it's relevant because it's novel. This is a, a phenomena that seems to have come into vogue and t- is tearing through schools, elementary schools, middle schools, etc. And it just did not exist like this in these numbers before. For instance, she starts out in the book by describing the history of transgenderism in the United States and in the United Kingdom, which is where I believe she's based. And she talks about how uh, transgenderism was extremely rare among kids, and that it was primarily a male-dominated activity usually it was it was boys believing that they were girls and and at least socially transitioning in that way however
1: um, one of the key pieces of that too is that it's something that usually happened like by the time they were two years old like what they were two years old they had this very uh pressing concern that they were you know they were supposed to be women, and then that either never went away and continued throughout the rest of their life, or the individual involved uh, uh, became gay, or, or found out they were gay, or however you, you want to state it, right? And so um, that, that that's for a hundred years, that's been what we've noted as gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. uh, or we've observed as gender dysphoria. So,
0: yeah, uh, no, well put. And what's changed now, and the reason that she wrote this book is because in in middle schools and high schools throughout throughout the West, this very quickly became a epidemic among girls. And mm-hmm. while this was on the rise among girls uh, and all of the horrible things that come with transgenderism, and by that I mean, I mean an incredibly high suicide rate, Mm-hmm there was a shift in the diagnostic and procedural analysis and care for these individuals. So, Mm -hmm. so there was this simultaneous rise in what we're going to get into, but they're called gender affirming therapies simultaneous with this, this rise in prevalence among girls where girls actually started overtaking the boys and spring up very quickly and turning transgender in pods and, the these at, this activist bent this activist wing of transgender ideology took steps effectively to to make those changes permanent even though they used not to be so let's get into let's get into all that and, and after we we march our way through that we're going to talk about some of the some of the evidence against rapid-onset gender dysphoria that she gives in the book, some of the evidence against the current treatment methodologies that she gives in the book. And then we've got a couple news stories uh, recently that have surfaced that are very important to the topic, and and we'll talk about why this is happening and and where it connects to you. Um, So that's the opening salvo. Hunter, anything to add?
1: No, I think that's a good
0: summary. Um, uh,
1: You know, I think we need to dig in and kind of speak to it. This is a good fact just to uh, kind of put us in context. This is from uh, a newer article Abigail has written that we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, But let me just read this paragraph because it'll put people into, you know, when we say rapid onset gender dysphoria, how is that really manifesting? This will kind of put that figure into some context. Littman's research about the sudden spike in teen girls' trans identification has become increasingly difficult to deny. A recent survey by the American College Health Association showed that in 2008, one in 2,000 female undergraduates identified as transgender, right? Very small percentage. Mm-hmm. By 2021, that figure had jumped to one in 20.
0: That's a, that, so, that is an absolutely absurd number. It's an absurd number. It absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, we'll get, into, we'll get into this the longer we discuss this, but the idea that we trust... That if we're truly trusting that five percent of that population has a a disease like gender dysphoria, either something has gone drastically wrong in the gene pool, right, or right. there's something else at play here. But the idea that we have that many kids that are actually suffering from what until thirty minutes ago was a was a mental illness is is highly highly disturbing. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's why this matters. All right, Schreier in her book goes through, in the first five chapters, let's say, in the introduction, she goes through the problem, and she starts talking about the potential cause. And I'll I'll shorten it. The main cause she points to is propaganda. In general, these girls are shellacked with propaganda, primarily online, and it is encouraging them to view their current struggle through the lens of gender dysmorphia. So, and, and some of that turns very creepy very fast, but I'll put it to you this way. Uh, all girls, by and large, speaking in generalities, when they go through puberty, they experience a certain amount of body dysmorphia. Right. Uh, it is very complicated for women to grow up. It, specifically in their bodies because they, you could you could go a lot of different ways with this. You could go the biological route. You could go the spiritual route. You could go the, the uh, Jungian representational route. There's a lot of different ways to explain this. It's hard for boys too. I mean, your voice changes, you know, and it's like,
1: what is this? Right. What happened?
0: You know, there's plenty of things that don't feel like you. It, it, right, but that's so pronounced in in girls. I mm-hmm. mean I mean think about things that they have to go through like like starting right. their their period and actually right. you know their silhouette drastically changing drastically yep. changing. Yep. Um the attention that they start to receive societally. Right uh, right from
1: older men yeah. from everybody. Yep, yep, it changes a lot.
0: And and what what is happening and and a lot of the reason that these girls don't feel like they are their own, let's say, it's not just because they're they're changing from what they once understood, but, uh-huh. we'll go the Jungian route a little bit, but a lot of what they are turning into is designed to facilitate others. It yeah. truly is, and, and in a very prim- primordial, real sense. I mean, right. their, their body is changing in ways that allow them to to rear new bodies. And so, there's obviously this tension between what what am I and what am I not? And yeah. and, and what if this is for me and what if this is, is in spite of me, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I, I think yeah, guys don't have anything to deal with that even comes close to to like getting your period, which is just crazy, no. a crazy no, thing to, to deal with. And and it makes you consider from a very young age that you are a machine made to made to replicate and made to nurture. Right. which is beautiful but also disturbing you know and, sure and and you know we keep getting we keep getting married in the west later and later and and raising children in the west later and later unless you've got to deal with MTV I'm not exactly sure how they work that out but <laughs> that the there there is a loss of innocence that comes at that point let's call it 14 sure. 15 you know you've got to wake up because now you need to understand how
1: you how you operate if nothing else. Right,
0: right. And and you cannot you cannot start that process and be completely a little girl anymore. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um so it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time. Not only that, but we we live in a age where we make a lot of mistakes with children in general. We we fail to provide children with guardrails the abigail talks about this a lot in the book we don't have to go through this all here but a lot of times what what parents are tending to is their children's emotional state and not their children's moral state or or their their children's spiritual state and this causes there to be a lack of relevant guideposts for which a child can measure their their progress you know if if dad never gets mad at me when I do something wrong. Well, then maybe there is no wrong, but if there's no wrong, then how do I do right? And if I can't do wrong and I can't do right, then is it, is there anything I do that matters? And so, so I feel like based on the, not, I feel like the evidence would, would suggest that based on the, the, what do they call that movement? Hunter, the uh, self-esteem parenting movement of the, the early to late nineties is, is fueling this this feeling of of ungroundedness and floatiness in children.
1: Uh, and, 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 I, go, go ahead.
0: ahead.
1: <laughs> I'll go. This uh, is good, that's good audio. <laughs> that's super good audio. Uh, maybe not the best time to say it, uh, which I don't know why I interrupted you now. But we also <laughs> do we also do a lot of this. Uh, you know, we really don't celebrate women like womanhood anymore. Um, there's, there's a lot of complicated reasons for all that Uh, mainly birth control, um, Mm -hmm. is probably the easiest thing to say just so we don't spend a lot of time there. Um, what do you tell little boys? You know, what you tell boys is, you know, grow up and make something of yourself. It's really been watered down in our society to do what makes you happy. Right. That's where that idea comes from. You know, um, We've got plenty of philosophers before us saying, you actually don't want happiness. What you want is teleology. Um, But Mm -hmm. that's how we've translated it today. And so we've looked at our little girls, and they're no longer little girls as far as, you know, with the birth control pill around, so to speak. And um, man, haven't they had it rough for a long time with sexism? So we look at them (laughs) and we say, well, you really don't need to be a woman. You need to do what makes you happy. Right. Because that's what everybody
0: wants, well, and so they're, they're they're biologically they're not little girls, and then and then we medicate them into being little girls forever potentially, and, and the birth control pill does that to a certain extent, but then we'll get into this; it, it can happen to a, a a very very real extent. So, right. Well, I think what I you
1: know I think then these girls are planning on being whatever it is they they want to be that makes them happy, and then all of a sudden they get confronted with the reality of they have all this biology that is kind of at play and it's shocking in and of itself, regardless of that. But I think it's also, you know, well, I don't want to be a mom or a stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be a vet or whatever it is. And then those, (laughs) and, and that, well, and then those things kind of begin to clash. Right. Right. And it becomes difficult to know what to do with yourself. And you know, it's, you know, testosterone is a extremely powerful drug. Um, and it's exciting to have that available to you. So well, anyway.
0: Yeah. Well well let's let me let me take one step before that too. The sure. the other thing that's happening right now, just in the milieu that this this rabbit onset gender dysphoria emerged in is this over medication of kids. And mm-hmm. and we are treating we are treating yeah. negative emotion yes. like a disease. In a way that we right. never have before in this country, that we are we are yes. providing therapies and treatments and, and psychoactives and psychotropics to children in quantities that we never would have done before. And yes. there's there's multiple reasons for that. I mean, children are more unhappy than they've ever been, and I think that that has a lot to do with the internet for sure. But but mm. not only that, we are we are medic instead of instead of your dog died, suck it up, go outside. Right. Touch grass, as the children are saying. Right. We we take you to therapy, yeah. and you talk to a quote unquote doctor, and they give you they give you something to bring you down or bring you up. Yeah. Because mom and dad don't have time to talk to you anymore. Right. Well, that's that's a whole other thing. And, and man, that's when you start when that's when you start merging this with politics, the politics of things that seem like benefits at first, like free childcare. Yes. All right, we'll see about that, you know. Um, so anyway, into that milieu emerges this this phenomena of rapid onset gender dysphoria. And, and right. Abigail describes that in the beginning of the book. She also talks about how the propaganda online and at the school is, is enabling this. In, in fact, there, there's some really horrific parts that she talks about a little bit later in the book about how prominent the tumblr era of transgenderism was where you had Tumblr for our older friends is basically an old
1: uh place where you could have a blog yeah um and post different posts about what was going on
0: very Um, back in the day very little very little content moderation um and talked about how common it was for older members of the transgender community to begin sexting and sending pictures back and forth with underage members of the transgender community. And yes. and, and encouraging them and pressuring them to to continue on in the faith and oh tea is making you sick, take more tea. You're not taking enough mm-hmm. then. You know? Mm-hmm. Um so, so Tea is short for testosterone. Yeah. And and so there's this there's this um there is a pressure, propagandistic, almost cultish angle online, mm-hmm. and, and then there's also propaganda on YouTube of the, of these videos of of transgender activists teaching girls how to bind their breasts so that they look flat, and how to get how to get drugs without your parents finding out, and all of yeah. these these very. Let's say inappropriate conversations to be having with fourteen-year-olds, even if disambiguated through the medium of YouTube.
1: Yeah, and it's one thing too to remember that you know, uh, all your child needs to know is a couple of words and a, and a smartphone to get to this stuff, right? Yep. Like it's not it's not that complicated, and it can it, they can even get looking at some of that stuff uh, through innocent means, right? Thanks to the YouTube algorithm and things like that. Mm-hmm. um and so it's it's not necessary it's not necessarily that
0: difficult to arrive at um if you so. if you want to take a trip go look some of it up uh, and you can watch these these older individuals and, and a yeah. lot of them a lot of them male to female transgenders um these older male to female transgenders telling young young girls basically that all of their problems can be resolved by transition and and to view all of their unhappiness and the, all the you know all the things that their affluent white liberal coastal parents took them to therapy for earlier to mm-hmm. reconfigure your thinking about that so you view it exclusively through the lens of gender um, and in that way, it's a lot like it's, it's a lot like the racists, right? <laughs> that right. that all all problems in America can be can be boiled down to the fact that we celebrate Columbus Day and not Indigenous People's Day. It's uh, Critical theory, yeah, at its finest. It, it truly is a postmodern a postmodern um, deconstructionist idea of yes. human emotion. Even yes, and, and, yeah. and it is so unfortunate that that this pops its head up everywhere you see this this idea of of moral relativism and secular humanism creep up that that this is right on its heels every time so that's the environment we live in today right how does rapid
1: onset gender dysphoria actually hit um the people involved right uh it's something like these kids are uh they are being exposed to this. They're listening to something. They meet somebody, uh, who's, uh, living this lifestyle. And then they, um, have other disorders or, uh, depressions that are influencing their life as well. They jump on this, this becomes their thing. Um, and then as we've seen in other, uh, things with young girls like cutting and other um, mental disorders, the community of girls just becomes attached to someone who's going through this and will, for whatever reason, whether it's out of compassion, whether it's out of envy, whether it's out of um, wanting to be included, uh, will then kind of wrap around this idea of gender dysphoria, and you'll see five girls in a class overnight who never had any issues circle up and start... uh, following down this path together and they have all the resources and all the uh, abilities to teach them what to do and get them through that. Um, Yeah. So, so is that, it's that, uh, it's the context of the, where we live. And then the fact that because it's available to vulnerable parts of the population and teenage girls are sensitive to their friends, it kind of creates this vortex on itself, so to speak.
0: Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more about what you talked about—the access to materials, sure. because that the access is is more problematic now than it was when when Abigail wrote the book. Sure, um, this is being pushed in schools. I don't know if you guys have seen the video of the lady at the school board meeting over the past the past couple weeks, uh, talking about the pedophilic pornographic uh, material that was being peddled in the school's own.
1: The library. school's
0: own library. It was hilarious. This lady is describing a, a event in a comic book. It's a graphical representation in the comic book about the about effectively a a older man sodomizing a a fourth grader. Yep. Consensually, not. I don't believe it when I say that. But that's that was the way they were presenting it. Right. And they they she brings this up to the school board meeting and they turn off her mic and say you can't talk about this there's children here there's children in the school library <laughs> you know right. what i'm saying like and and that's just one example of the way that the lgbtqiaarp plus 2 community and activists have weaseled their way into these situations and prevent discussions from happening in them so so let's talk a little bit more centered though about transgenderism Mm um although that it's not unrelated what i just said Mm -hmm. um there is certainly a push for transgenderism in the schools and this is this is usually the tip of the spear and it's moving it's shifting further to the left what used to only be a problem at college campuses is now moving into the high schools and it won't be long before it moves into the middle schools in fact parts of the agenda have already moved into the middle schools and they all revolve around two words and these are probably the most or, or two concepts and these are probably the most important concepts in the entire discussion from a medical care perspective. And they are affirmation, gender-affirming therapies, Mm -hmm. and informed consent. These two ideas have completely changed the way that we treat, diagnose, and care for people that are struggling with things like gender dysphoria in in our schools and our institutions. So let's talk about them really quick. Gender-affirming techniques is the idea that the way that you treat one of these people is simply by agreeing with them that, right. that if they come in and say, I'm a boy, but I feel like a girl, the answer to that, that problem statement is yes, I agree. You are right. And, and, and that we're arguing that that's the best thing for them. And, and this, this yeah. is a
1: good point to go back to what we were saying earlier is, you know, you know, what we've seen for hundreds for a hundred years is that these boys you know are coming uh they feel this from a young age and it either goes away and manifests you know as you know they're actually gay or it just disappears itself or it stays around and you know this is something they they live with um what is different about uh what we're seeing in this case um i am so sorry i completely lost with what
0: you with the girls the different i think you're going to the differences with the girls is that they haven't had a dysphoric thought until they turn 13 and then wham it hits them like a ton of bricks and they go in and there's no precedent for it no evidence for it they go in and say it one time and the the bent of these institutions is to affirm so, and what
1: used to be, this is what I wanted to say, what used to be the um, technique used here is what's called watchful waiting. Because yep. you had someone here that you didn't really understand, and what's more, they didn't really understand themselves because they were, here's a crazy idea, a child. <laughs> you wanted to wait to see what would manifest in their life. You know, if this was just a phase, well, then it's just a phase. We don't need to say any more than that. Sometimes I, I thought I was a bat. Sometimes when I was a little kid, like I thought I could be a bat. Christopher wanted to grow up to be a whale. Kids do weird stuff. (laughs) You know, it's true. It's how we imagine ourselves and how we how we grow a little bit as we think about, you know, inhabiting different bodies, so to speak. And animals is a great way for us to do that because we're, we're wondering what it would be like to be that thing over there. It's one way we produce empathy. Right. And so children go through these many different things and you don't have to take them all seriously until now. Right. Until now, if you don't, you know, now you're being transphobic. Now you're not affirming someone's lived experience. And so this is coming at children at young ages. And so
0: anyway. Yeah, and, and to be clear, to what you're talking about, Hunter, this watchful waiting technique, you're talking about Dr. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kenneth Zucker, effectively. Kenneth yes. Zucker was the, the leading authority on transgenderism and children and the philosophy was okay if a kid comes in and says that they think that they're the opposite gender fine but we need to look at the whole child first and we need right. to wait and, and we'll get into why that's so important later he was actually um he he wrote the standards of care guidelines for the World Professional Association for Transgender Health or WPATH if I ever have to say it again because that's such a <laughs> freaking mouthful. Anyhow he, he was the guy and then but what happened was, what happened was that the transgender activists mm-hmm. moved in and he lost all of his, his acclaim, all of his renown had nothing to do with the science had nothing to do with the medicine but that was mm. the old guard right? Let's talk about the second, the second portion here just briefly, is affirmed consent. Um, yep. I'm sorry, informed consent. Informed consent is this new standard for prescription and for providing medical treatment that does not require a healthcare professional to make a qualified evidence-based decision on whether you need a certain intervention. For instance, this this idea is what get, got people you know, medical marijuana when they didn't need it for a long time because Mm. they would read you a list of side effects and, and risks. And you said, I have back pain and they go, well, I can't quantify back pain. So let me inform you of the, the pitfalls. And then if you consent, then you can have the, the intervention, right? Right. Uh, Informed consent is now being used to prescribe, uh, puberty blockers, uh, like Lupron, And testosterone to girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's being, it's the standard that they're using to provide double mastectomies for underage girls in certain parts of the country. It's the standard that they're using to provide uh, phalloplasty Mm -hmm. for girls in several parts of the country, underage girls in several parts of the country. And it is just a simply, can you read an initial, these underlying side effects and complications and then we'll go ahead and provide the intervention and it it Hippocrates is rolling in his grave so fast that he could power a nuclear submarine I mean he (laughs) truly the the standard of do no harm has gone out the window with the Mm -hmm. standard of of informed consent and so now Hunter to to bring this back to where you were where you were headed uh when you say that the girls have all the access at their yes. fingertips so they get online yes. they find this they find this uh these pages gurus. these forums these gurus and then they talk to their friends and they form a click and then the yep. schools have picked up the mantle of informed consent and and affirmation gender affirma- affirming techniques and so yes. Now you've got, and it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse since you wrote this book. You Much have worse, places yeah. in in Portland now where, at the age of fifteen, a girl can get testosterone at at the high school without her parents knowing. You have you have schools all over the country mm-hmm. where a child can legally change, the, or not legally, can although they do provide that paperwork as well, but they can tacitly and change their name and their pronouns. And they the schools are so sophisticated in their bifurcation of yep. this that they make sure that any document that a parent has a chance of seeing has their given or birth name on it, and right. their their transgender name is on another uh, is on all the other forms, and they're called that at school and and different things like that. Yes. So when so understand that when Hunter quotes the statistic of like one in twenty girls is identifying as as transgender they have an incredible support structure a support structure that you wouldn't see for any other decision like this at the schools because they've embraced these two these two techniques
1: it would be like think an equivalent idea here might be something like you have a girl come to the school from a traditionally islamist family and the school is christian and has the ability to, she converts to Christianity and all the teachers hide that from her parents. Right. right. It, it, it's, it's similar in that level of why why would you? like? And you don't have to tell the parents or anything like that. But it, it's an intentional uh, designed format to provide resources to the child. To help them lie to their parents and lie on behalf of the child to their parents for all this, Um, and the only way that you'll know with this as a parent is if you look at your daughter and go, "She looks a little different. I wonder if she's getting testosterone." Like her her voice is getting deeper,
0: right? And by then, it's too late. Yeah. So let's. We need to talk at probably at length about the treatments that are being provided and the outcomes of these treatments. But before we jump into that, we also need to, to talk about, the fr- and Abigail goes into this in great detail in her book. In fact, this is probably one of the most impactful parts of the books, other than the place where she goes through, I, I would say, failed phalloplasties, which is which is gut-wrenching and horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but other than that, the, the most heartbreaking part of this book is when she goes through the discussions of the parents who she interviewed, who wow. have transgender daughters, and, and the the structures in place at schools to keep them from, from communicating, seeing, influencing, et cetera, their, mm-hmm. their offspring. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, all the propaganda, both at the school, online, et cetera, uh, even I'll say this too: Planned Parenthood has, you know, the the group that only provides uh, uh, contraception to women and women's yep. health care. They provide testosterone to underage girls in an informed yep. consent environment. So that's another thing that your taxpayer just we you know when the Hyde Amendment comes around and you or well at least we're not funding abortion, you're funding this smut. So uh, mm. it's time to it's time to uh, defund Planned Parenthood in in no uncertain terms. Um, all right, anyhow, all of that propaganda relates to this one fact that if your parent doesn't immediately affirm your gender, then a couple things. One, they are no longer your parent, and they are making you suicidal. And and everyone will yeah, tell. That's the actually children something this. that they're told. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. The activists online will tell them this. The people mm-hmm. in forums will tell them this. The uh, the the going rate at these at these therapists. Uh, these these gender-affirming therapists will tell them this. And right, we saw... They'll,
1: they'll point to the the high suicidality statistics and they'll right. say, look over here. That's why. It's because you aren't being taught... Because no one is seeing you for who you are. And Christopher, I think you're probably going to say this, but you know as well as I do that pre- and post-transition, those statistics don't change. Right. And so there's obviously a disconnect there, but that's... but the people who should be smart enough to understand that that's not what they sell these children they sell them on the fact their parents are evil to reinforce their own ideology
0: and, and we've seen this play out I, I we talked about it on the show a couple months ago where someone on the west coast effectively had to kidnap their own child and remove them from a school situation because and, and was lying about affirming their their the gender clinic in I I can't remember what state it was. Now it was one of those West coast States, but literally had to lie about it so that they could remove their child from the situation and move cross country and change their name so that that could actually get their child away from the state uh, that was forcing this down on them. because if you step out of line, if you don't affirm, you lose your rights and sometimes by dent of the state and then otherwise um you know in a more septerfugious way based on the propaganda that's being fed to your child from from online sources and you know professional therapists. Mm-hmm. So that that is the the way that they are breaking up the traditional family unit with this ideology and keeping people who actually care for children namely parents, away from the conversation by painting them as the, the devils that certainly testosterone and, and phalloplasty are. So we say all that to say that there is, there is an incredible war being waged against these girls, and it's coming in from every side. And then you get into the bigger question, because this whole conversation means nothing, means nothing. If you're just delaying puberty for a while, right? Like, yeah. what's the big deal? Right. I, I, yeah, sure. There's this this cultish vortex whirling around your child, trying to convince them to make this decision. But if we just put them on puberty blockers for, uh, you know, six months a year, see what it's like, mm-hmm. and maybe give them a little testosterone, see if they don't f- uh, feel like they come into their own skin. Then, then. Where's the, What's harm? the problem? Yeah. And you'll have, you'll have these, these psychiatrists and, and these doctors prescribing, prescribing drugs to these kids and basically saying things like we're just hitting the pause button. There is no harm. Right. Nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Hunter, why don't you ha. kick us off here?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think the first thing to understand is that puberty blockers, are are dangerous um puberty is an extremely uh necessary part of human development uh puberty is not so
0: hunter's been told
1: so i've been told uh puberty is not just a um coming into your sexuality right puberty is mental development Mm -hmm. right it's everything um you know especially for young men in a sense uh, I, maybe we should look at this book, Christopher, but it was, I think it's called T the testoster or T, uh, the hormone that divides us. And it's all about testosterone. Um, testosterone is a extremely powerful hormone and basically is the reason that there are two genders, right? It, it's, it's, it, it
0: really, really changes the human it's, body. It's a scheduled three controlled substance. Yep. Like, if you just want to go the legal route, we acknowledge that it is a a, a fairly powerful drug. Right. Um, so, we're
1: not messing with mundane things here. Uh, you get testosterone twice in your life in huge quantities as a man. One is when you are uh, conceived, when you're in the womb before you're born. And the other moment is when you go through puberty. That's when it just spikes through the roof. and that is one of the main reasons that there is a difference between men and women's bodies is that right there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so one, you're messing with the extremely dangerous part, of the human lifespan. The other thing that you're doing is when you start putting kids on cross hormones, uh, and you start introducing them to the other, uh, sex hormones that are not, uh, prescriptive to their born gender. Um, then you, you without fail make them infertile. Um, and so you remove the possibility for them having children at that point.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, one le- of the th- let me, let's be clear about this. Just, just procedurally. Sure. Lupron, which is yep. one of the primary puberty blocking drugs was invented to chemically castrate sex offenders. Like Correct. it, it yeah. is, it is a nasty, nasty bug. And, and, if you delay puberty for too long, too long of a you know a greater length of time, you can cause infertility. Even if you never go to cross-sex hormones, just from taking the puberty blockers, there's there's something else that maybe you're going to get into. I'll I'll save it for you with with delaying puberty there, but uh, additionally, um, basically from after two weeks being on cross sex hormones, the chances that you are permanently infertile are significant. And if you take it for any, any length of time truly beyond that, then they, they effectively are a hundred percent. Yep.
1: Yeah, no. And it's, it, it does things to, in your mental state too. Um, this is kind of gross and I, I admit it is. Um, but one of the things that women note, uh, one of the main differences they notice when they go on, uh, testosterone is the violent uh, fantasies they have about the about sexual encounters, right? And it becomes something that just immediately becomes apparent to them that they don't live with. And so it actually, in a strange sense, makes them more sensitive to men because they don't understand that aspect of being a man. and it, And that is directly linked to testosterone introduction, right? Mm. And so the important thing to think through that is, you're, I mean, what else are you messing with? What else are you changing? Like, if you're introducing a whole different experience to somebody in that way, like, wh- what other wires are you crossing in their brain? Absolutely. What else are you affecting? And, it, and you know, and, no, nobody is happy that they have a thought like that. Nobody's thrilled about something like that. You know, it, it, it's, it's a dark side of human nature. Un, undoubtedly, it's the same thing in us that like when someone cuts us off in traffic, we want to jump out of our cars and pull them from their car and beat them on the sidewalk. Right. Well, you know, it, 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 I'm not celebrating anything there by talking about it. I, I just think it's, you know, it, it's powerful stuff and, yeah. and you you're experimenting on
0: children because it's the right thing to do for them, apparently. The brain is is more complicated than the galaxy potentially, and mm-hmm. I mean that I mean that, not not descriptively, I mean it transactionally. I mean it prescriptively. There there are the neural network that you carry around in your skull, potentially has more complexity, more more uh, pathways. Than particles in the known universe, and I, it, it is incredibly complex. I say that to say that there's the the last frontier isn't the bottom of the ocean or the far reaches of space. It is our own is our own psyche, and the idea that you take the the messengers of that complexity, the endocrine system, and you tamper with them, and you understand the The complexity of what you are dealing with is is foolish. No, no doctor worth their salt would accept that, and, and that doesn't mean that it's wrong to tamper with it. You know, there are people that need treatment. There are people that need help. Our mother uh, used to work at a mental institution. It was really a prison for the mm-hmm. the criminally insane. Mm-hmm. And she tells a story. There, there's a clinic side she and then a, a prison there. side. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, before she killed him. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is she told a story there about this guy who came into the clinic side, and he had nailed one of his hands to a cross but then couldn't swing the hammer <laughs> to nail his other hand. Yeah. Uh, uh, some people are crazy. Okay, but, but here's the question. Here's the question, and this is so crucial to this argument. What would have been good for him? He thought he was the Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Should they have said, yes, you are the Christ, and nailed his other hand and then his feet to the cross? Right. And hung him know. up there in the yard? Right. Would that have would it been would it have been good to affirm the thing that he believed, which was clearly not true, hmm. or would it be better to get get him some some Nyquil and tuck him in, hmm. or how about some lithium? You, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. This concept of of affir- affirmation therapy is nutty. It's nutty and. It's not free. The science is in playing with, with puberty blockers and testosterone is an incredible danger. It's an incredible mm. danger for young girls. Let's talk about things that are even Let's let's talk about things that aren't even medically dangerous. If you delay puberty and go on puberty blockers before you've had a orgasm there is a very statistically significant chance that you never will for the rest of your life. yep that's a, that, that is a oh, sorry go ahead. I was just gonna say
1: our obsession with seeing children as sexual objects yeah. in this way actually derives them of any sexual meaning in their life like not only not only are we talking the inability to reproduce, which is like the definition right? but also the enjoyment and the pleasure of it. Right, like we we right. we're, we are making them sexless.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, well, all these people in these forums, these YouTubers, these schools, yes. Right. You, I, can you imagine the the harm that you're doing to a child by somehow at the age of 13 or 14 prohibiting them from ever achieving orgasm? Right, I mean that's they, know
1: they don't know what that is. Yeah, they have well, no idea what that means. They, they
0: can't consent to you taking that away because they have Correct. no concept for what that is. And, and we're playing with drugs that permanently rob them of that. And, right. and you know what? There's something ugh, we'll get into it, man. The, the buckle up, people, because this this is a huge topic. But mm. the 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 insidiousness, the hatred. You, you want to talk about misogyny? <laughs> This, right. this is the hatred of women and the problem is it's not imposed by by a patriarchy yes but, but our our modern progressive postmodern society despises womanhood uh, despises the things that make womanhood truly great and, mm-hmm. and to rob to rob a woman of her ability to orgasm and her ability to rear children you, you might you might what what is left? I'm not saying that that's the only purpose for for being a woman. I'm saying that that
1: it's not a woman you're dealing with anymore.
0: It is the most it, it's it's not a human you're dealing with anymore. I, right. I, there's nothing more f- fantastic and sophisticated and remarkable and beautiful in the human experience than being a woman and having the ability to raise children to being able to grow the future inside of you and connect legitimately with the the fates as they extend long past your death. Right. It is the most incredibly meaningful teleological experience that a human could possibly grant themselves. And of course there's mommy issues, how could there not be? Your mm-hmm. your their womanhood is a miracle each and every time. It's amazing. I think you're.
1: I mean, obviously, the point you're making is astute and passionate, and
0: I think it's correct. I, I think the um, the the point the point is that the point is that if there's any if there's any hatred that's that is uncovered in this phenomena, it is not a hatred for transgenders. It is not a hatred of people. That are experiencing gender dysmorphia. It's Correct. not a transphobia; it's a hatred of of womanhood. And if you hate woman womanhood, true womanhood, you hate humanity itself. It, it, it is it is the resentment of Cain that right. that drives this movement. Yeah,
1: I, I think I think it's you know it, it's an interesting thing when you look at like Eve, and it's like your desire will be for your husband, and if you know your Hebrew and or someone's taught you what that means. It means your desires to rule over him, right? And I, and I think for one of the first times in human history, we we live in times where uh, instead of having patriarchy, we actually have something more akin to matriarchies, um, because patriarchies look like uh, rule by might, which is you know we really don't have that anymore. You know, it's just not something that actually exists. But what we do have is. Uh, eatable complexes at the national stage and we have, (laughs) we'll take care of everything for you. Right. And one of the things that we'll take care of is apparently is the uncomfortableness with selecting the generation that will come after you and defining what in the generation now is worthy to go forward. Right. Right. And that's, that is womanhood essentially. And you know, okay, well you don't feel up to the task no problem we got you covered we can we can swap that out you want to go be an engineer absolutely not a problem we don't need people to have babies right and you see declining birth
0: rates and there's other reasons for that that are astute and things like that but even then and this this is why archetypal and primordial womanhood is described as 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 the chaotic nature it's described as as you know, the male male is order and society, and woman is chaos and nature. And the reason mm-hmm. that she's described this way is because nature is that which selects. Nature, you know, from the bio, evolutionary biologist point of view, and the Jungian view, uh, that which selects decides what will carry forward. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a reason that the prime directive of our species is to to go forth and multiply. You know what I'm saying? Because because as a biological machine on the superstructure level we have to procreate in order to continue it it is survival on a long Mm -hmm. enough time frame and then you you take a look at the your ancestry and and your historicity and you realize that you have twice as many female ancestors as male ancestors women are sexually selective they choose which men and by their by their actions and their looks and their form, et cetera, they choose whose genetic material shall carry forward in time, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what nature does. Just like nature selects which of you will will survive, women will chooses which which of yeah, jeez, which of you, yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> which of you <laughs> will carry forward, and and then but but look at the assault on that. Look at the assault from the state on that, and the assault from the state on that. I mean, think about abortion. No, yeah. let the state be that which decides, and people yeah. pretend like it's the women's choice. And then you just look at where they're opening up abortion clinics, you rubes. And, right. and, and it's then, too hard to have a child. Yeah, we'll take care of that for you. Yeah, well, and, and it's, then, edi- it's edible. And then and then with the transgenderism stuff as well, let's forego the decision entirely. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Stay juvenile. Say say a child. Yeah. Stay sexless. Right. It's it's it's
1: crazy. It's crazy. Um it's bizarre. You know who said this before us? No. Alex Tocqueville. That's a great book, man. Democracy in America. I'm so glad that, you said
0: to Tocqueville and not Jones.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh no, he uh he he basically wrote in that book that the thing that would cause America to fall would be the uh reliance on the of a man not on his local community and a reliance on the uh, paternal state.
0: Yeah, well, so no doubt. He called it. He's a pretty smart guy. He was wrong about the the first letter, but yeah. other than that, I am with him. Um, yeah, he meant he, the same thing. I know, yeah, I know, you. he did. Yeah. Um, any anyhow, okay. Let, let's let's jump back in. Let's finish up the book, and because I feel like we we've jumped to the final conclusion here, which is a, a little bit that this is a this is a spiritual problem. And and a archetypal problem that the state is trying to trying to undermine. Um, I do want to I do want to talk about a couple of the the dissidents in her book. She has a whole chapter titled Dissidents, and then connect it to. Um, some of those, just a bunch of doctors going, no, God, are you crazy? <laughs> and then connect it to a couple of, uh, of more recent events and, and yep. then, um, some, some preventative measures for, for you. Although, uh, man, that was just, that was just the, the midpoint. That was the end of the first act and you've already got a full <laughs> show on your hands. It's amazing. Uh, no you truly are the luckiest generation to be alive in the time of carpooling. Think of the value. Think of the value. Um, all right. So she goes through four different groups or three different groups, four different individuals called the dissidents in her book. And I want to bring up their arguments. And these are people that that are dissenting from the idea that gender-affirming therapy is the correct way to go. Because we've talked about the problems with that. And, and we could get into things like double mastectomies or what they call top surgery and phalloplasty. Let's just put it this way. Phalloplasty almost always fails. Um, it is horribly complex. It is disgusting. If you go through what it actually takes, I think Um, the thing that just sells people
1: on it real quick is that it requires skin from your forearm to complete.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's all you need to know. I, I have watched a portion of an inpatient Mm -hmm. phalloplasty and I almost threw up. Uh, Seriously. It, it is, it is brutal. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. No. Um, all right, so she separates the dissonance into three different categories. The first category she calls the sexologists. These are people that deal with um, orientation, basically, uh, clinicians. And she talks about Ray Blanchard and Michael Bailey. And uh, Blanchard is kind of a kind – of a, he's a big deal, uh, a really big deal. And he came up with this, this taxonomy of transgenderism that I want to highlight here, because I think it's really important. They are uh, what he calls the... uh, Let me make sure I get it exactly right. The homosexual transsexualism. And this is what he would say we're seeing in these girls, where they don't feel at home in their bodies. They don't feel comfortable around men. Maybe there's another underlying disorder there. Um, Mm -hmm. They're lesbians, and they... Hear the word transsexual and they go for it, <laughs> right? Right. The other one is the uh, autogenophilic transsexualism, and this is an older adolescent or even even quite advanced, typically male form of transsexualism, where there's actually they are actually turned on by the the image of themselves in women's clothing. So what we right. might have used to call a crossdresser. And a lot of times these are still heterosexuals in that if they are men dressing up as women, it is their, their attraction to the female form that is driving them to do it in the first place. If that makes sense. Correct. Yep. So, and then Bailey wrote a book about this, um, basically about autogenophiles, uh, Michael or J. Michael Bailey working on Blanchard's research. And it was called the man who would be queen. And it was kind of a it kind of was a, a firebrand. Like it, it was very popular in the transgender community. It was it was um it was uh put up for an award, the Lambda Literary Foundation's nomination. Uh, whatever whatever their award Where is. I There's heard some, Lambda from hmm. Uh, hmm, Greek. Hmm. Anyhow. <laughs> um, hmm. so <laughs> It was put up for that award, and then all of a sudden people were like, well, no, you can't say that there's these transgenders that are heterosexual that are trying to find their way into women's spaces be- that are still attracted to women because that could be predatory and that could be a problem for the transgender community. So then then um, it's hilarious. The University of Illinois at Chicago said that including Bailey's book among the list of nominees was like nominating Mein Kampf for a literary prize in Jewish studies. Uh, wow. <laughs> so they changed their – Topic on that real fast, but this idea of an autogenophile is really important. When we've got these, the um, think about the transgenderism and sports issue, think about the mm-hmm. the Caitlyn Jenner issue. You've got these mm-hmm. older folks, not a whole lot of history with transgenderism, um, suddenly transitioning, and and here's the problem. Even if there are valid cases of that, there are mm-hmm. lots of people that are using it. To invade women's spaces and dominate them, you know we had the what about the the transgender um, we spa b- bathhouse? Yep, the we spa. And then you've got um, the the MMA fighter that goes around systematically dismantling women's bone structure. Um, mm-hmm. What's her name? His name? I don't know. I can't remember. Um,
1: let's call him Kyle Nebra.
0: Uh, let's not do that. You okay, uh, won't <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> um, Strike it anyhow i thought that that was i thought that that was a really interesting argument and and does draw it does draw this this issue with the idea of transgenderism in general and that we we cannot treat it like a man is becoming a woman because quite quite appropriately they are not i mean bruce jenner won a whole bunch of gold medal and <laughs> gold medals in men's decathlon before he right. decided that he was a woman and is it really appropriate to destroy all the sanctity of all women's spaces for that you know what i'm saying even awards and stuff right so i thought that was that was really interesting um the other and both both of those doctors they're they're not anti-transition Yeah, And they that's do better. sometimes think they'll medically transition people, but they also are both strong believers in the idea that you have to, you have to attempt, you have to look at the, at the patient holistically and a- answer questions like, is this a different underlying cause? Can this pe- person even possibly potentially pass? Uh, right. Et cetera. Cause, cause that's a, that's a great point because
1: if you can't pass and you go through all the surgeries and then you just look like a guy, still with rest essentially it doesn't help the dysphoria at all that's right right you, you still feel alienated so you know it regardless of you agree with that as a, as a thing to do there are problems with doing it if your goal is to remove
0: the dysphoria that's right that's right and and, and this is this is a key point too um, and that's it's why they're so critical about those issues they talk about the activism driving the medicine and mm-hmm. and that's why they they've made this taxonomy to show that hey we're destroying women's spaces by um by basically kowtowing to the to the radical activists with these autogenophilic transsexuals they make this argument they they Dr. Bailey specifically pushes back against the idea that transgenderism is immutable um and I think he makes a good argument, but he doesn't quite go far enough. But, you know, there's this big push that you were Lady Gaga born this way. However, it doesn't, there's no biological markers for that. It's only behavioral. And the only evidence we have is that you feel a certain way, right? And this right. is not typically the definition of an immutable characteristic. So Dr. Correct. really pushes back on that. But I, 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 I actually, like, I was reading it. I took this a step further. Yeah. Uh, go ahead.
1: I feel like hamburger today. Yeah. Um, right doesn't really make any sense right right i don't feel like hamburger tomorrow
0: <laughs> the yeah exactly and and how can that be immutable when the Correct. definition is you cannot rid yourself of it and, and upon reading this i was i was thinking this is one of the major problems here with this with this ideology as such and another description of how it's woman hating truly woman hating is that you cannot have you cannot have transsexuality be immutable at the same time as gender there's not right. logical space in in the argument for both to be true mm-hmm. if gender is an immutable characteristic like it's protected in the 14th amendment then trans transgenderism cannot be because immutable means that you cannot dispense with it without giving up a significant portion of yourself But if transgenderism is immutable, that being that discarding the biology is that which must be protected, and to not discard the biology would be giving up a a significant portion of yourself, then by the same token, the biology can't exist on the same list. One of them has to be immutable, and the other one can't be.
1: You have to ask yourself in a transitional surgery what we're doing then. Right? Right. Because if we're not, if we're not, if we're not addressing something that is immutable, right, or difficult to change, you know, what's going on. Um, and I, I think this might be the right time in the conversation to say, like, you know, it's possible that people experience something that's extremely upsetting, which is being born in what they think is the wrong gender. Um, you know, there are there's incidences of people experiencing, I'm going to attempt this word, uh, which is the, which is the experience of a limb not being your own. And so you look at your arm and you go like, this isn't my arm, this is somebody else's. Right? And right. just think about the discomfort that would create. Um there's even instances too of uh, people having mental disorders where their arm will actually act on its own accord without them uh you know s- sending any action potentials or c- commanding it to do something. And so like you know there there are potentially real people suffering here with some sort of real biological problem that we are not capable of understanding at this
0: point. Yeah. Um yeah, and so it's probably be, in very, very small numbers.
1: It has to be in small numbers. Otherwise humanity itself wouldn't be here. Right. Sure. Uh, we would, we'd be struggling with that problem. Um, or we would not enjoy the act of sex as much as we do. Right. Um, obviously we think that's a pretty good use of our time. You know, just look at how, how obsessive our culture is with it and how obsessive cultures have been for years and years about it. Um, so, but I, I think the, I think the point is that there 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 are potentially real people here with really difficult struggles that are probably biological realities that are minor and the focus instead of treating those individuals is to focus on these people that don't seem to fit that definition. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, and, and probably don't concerning. have that
0: disease, probably are are being told they have that disease to cover up for other issues that yes. they're not dealing with.
1: Think of all the intelligence. Think of all the manpower. Think of all the hours humanity is spending on something, while those people that actually have a real condition suffer.
0: Right, right. Okay, so let's let's move on to one of the one of the other uh, group of three. This is the psychotherapist, the, the the skeptic psychotherapist that she analyzes for the book. Her name is Lisa Marciano, and she this this lady's rock and roll completely. She she actually had to quit treating children so that she could get around these laws that say that she will not engage with conversion therapy um, because you're not allowed to try conversion, like converting them out of being transgender in certain parts of the country. Hmm. So instead, she just treats adults. She has two ideas that I think are so important to analyze here. The first is this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote from the book directly from her. If I work with someone who's really suicidal because his wife left him, I don't call the wife up and say, hey, you just have to come back. That's not the way that we treat suicide. Hmm. We don't treat suicide by giving people exactly what we want. We treat suicide by keeping all people safe and helping them to become more resilient. And, and that's a key point. You don't nail the guy's other hand to the cross. You don't right. give them what they want. You don't give in to the delusion. You know, Ben Shapiro talks about his grandfather all the time who thought the radio was talking to him. He's saying, what well, would it have been good for my grandfather to be like, yep, the radio is talking to you. No, you don't affirm craziness. Okay, mm-hmm. so that, that's that's where she finds her skepticism to the the affirmation therapy in general here's one of her most telling points though she talks about psychic contagion now i don't know if you've ever studied anything like mass hysteria or or mass delusions but psychic contagion is this idea that once something enters the public discourse it's more it's it's liable to continue to replicate itself and and this isn't that surprising it happens um it happens pretty naturally because it's on people's brains. They're talking about it, etc. ad nauseum. However, this has happened in in massive ways before, um, across entire countries from time to time. Um, you know, she she brings up the examples of prescribing lobotomies, uh, and multiple personality disorder. It happened Cutting. in Germany in the 1930s and 1940s. Cutting is one of them. There's even been times when people thought, like in the UK, that people thought that there were people gassing, like these mass gassings were happening where, where you'd be on a road trip and someone would come up and gas you and take your stuff and then leave, you know, gas you out of your car. It, it scientifically is bogus. It, it would require so much so much potent material that there's no way it could be imported but then then the entire country believed they were getting gassed and that there was, there was you know fear on end and, and i bring that up to say that the this idea of a mass psychosis is actually more common than we think and, and it's kind of a mass hypnosis you know where everyone starts mm-hmm. believing ideas that aren't true just because everyone's believing them she believes mm-hmm. that that is responsible for this rapid increase in the number of, of teenage girls who come in with gender dysphoric distress, not only that, and this is where it really gets worse and and where I think we need to discuss it, she also thinks that this accounts for much of the suicide rate. And who knows if she's right, but her, her point is that all of these sources, all this propaganda telling young girls that if they're not affirmed, they will become suicidal right. is another example of psychic contagion um, where, where since I've told you, if this happens, you'll want to kill yourself. You, you embody that horrible, horrible idea, but hard, hard to prove or disprove at this point, but Mm -hmm. certainly possible. And, And, you know, it's one of the things that, that can actually explain some of this, some of that, suicide rate you know there's a study that said it was like almost 42 lifetime attempted suicide rate for transgenders uh abigail schreier herself doesn't totally love that study because she says that there is some self-reporting in it hmm. but she says that that seems a, difficult she says that it's at least half no attempted suicide hmm. rate oh <laughs> um, yeah anyhow uh crazy the last the last person in the book she talks about is a a, a psychiatrist named dr paul McHugh, and he is he is um a guy that you should look up i think his main take his main take is one that we already covered basically and it is that transition does not help everyone in fact, in some people, it seems to truly harm them. This idea that, you know, you can't reproduce, you can't have an orgasm, et cetera, ad nauseum, and yet we're prescribing it. So he kind of blew up at the John Hopkins Hospital Um he was a chief, chief uh, psychiatrist at John Hopkins Hospital. He completely shut down the gender eye clinic that was performing sex change operations because I'm quoting from the book here. In his view, the, po- the hospital had, quote, wasted scientific and technical resources and damaged our professional credibility by collaborating with madness rather than trying to study cure and ultimately prevent it boom so he's a he's an interesting guy and his point is not that it never helps but that it's impossible to uphold the hippocratic oath simultaneously while you perform these types of therapies because Mm. there is no good data about who this hurts and who this helps and a lot of times it just hurts so why not find an actual treatment an actual cure rather than than removing the genitals of people who who experience Mm. it so Mm. very important uh Di- and well, well thought out arguments against the movement in this book, and I think that's important for you all to compassionate know. Compassionate too, yeah, yeah, very compassionate. All, all aimed at helping those um, that are struggling with this. And it is important for you all to know those arguments. You know, I, I know that's not the most impactful thing, but it's important to think about the the logic of the the impossibility, the immutability of both gender and transgender it's important to think about the concept of psychic contagion it's important to remember the hippocratic oath and we're talking about this because this is a battle that is going on in the minds of the constituents of our country and we're going to get into that in in just a second but that the it is important that you are armed with the proper arguments with which to combat this ideology because this is not a medical practice it is an ideology You know
1: that's something that is coming clear to me throughout this conversation is that the medical institution in the United States is actually so successful that it can allow this rampant foolishness to exist alongside of it and still exist. You know like that 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 that's the level of success we have here with the our medical prowess, our medical skills, so to speak. And I think the thing that we're kind of finding is that, you know, where do the people in society who don't have to test their ideas end up at? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And one of those answers is school, (laughs) right? And businesses and in... Certain
0: parts of businesses.
1: Right, and places where your idea doesn't really need merit.
0: HR departments and diversity and inclusion officers and those types of roles.
1: Well, IT as well, right? Because like you actually, none of the... Direction that you're thinking about actually matters. You're just doing the coding piece, right? You know what I mean. But you can hold a. a uh, you're not setting a direction for not, the company. Not the whole, it
0: doesn't. Not the whole department. Yeah. Not the
1: whole department. Yeah. Um. And there's plenty of places like that in actually meaningful parts of a business that are not actually setting direction, so to speak. And I, I think, I think it's just obvious that um, these pathological ideas can easily ride aside and, and take advantage of the success and not ever have to be challenged or anything like that, because there's no reason for them to be what's the ideas themselves are so successful that they're actually paying for the bad ideas. Um, and I think that's, I think we have cared too little about certain parts of our society that we thought were either not important enough to care about, or we, uh, we valued other things too too much, and I think our public school system is one of the clearest reflections of that. Uh, Absolutely problem. Absolutely.
0: All right, so let's let's bring this train into the station, Hunter. I, I totally agree with you there. Um, so, Abigail finishes up the book by basically talking about some some of the propaganda, so, some more about the propaganda that we've already covered a little bit. And then she goes into the people that regret their transition and what the future of this movement looks like. Uh, it's a gut punch. It's a real gut punch. Learning about people with botched phalloplasties and double mastectomies who want to go back to being a, a mom, uh, yeah. you know, and, and have that option permanently removed from them and, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's it's tough and and it's interesting too so many of those those girls describe what happened to them as indoctrination in a cult uh with the way that they're pressured by their friend group and these online personalities and the the people that are chatting up in forums and the old men who are trying to get pictures from them and all of this it's amazing how many of them describe it as deprogramming from a cult instead of instead of walking away from unsuccessful medical treatment. Then she she finishes the book by saying two things. One we've already covered at great length, being honest about the fact that there's nothing there's nothing there's no higher calling than womanhood um from a from a human centric perspective. Mm -hmm. And then and then she finishes up by giving some tips for for preventing this from happening to your daughters and the number one tip she gave and we don't have to analyze this was was don't get them a smartphone i couldn't agree more uh you look at you look at the rise in mental health problems for our our you know underage children and they all right back to 2007 so yeah. anyhow i i she also says that that if this starts happening, extreme measures move across the country, move out to the a farm, don't get internet access, get a goat, take drastic measures, yeah,
1: get two goats,
0: yeah that's drastic <laughs> so hunter let's let's talk about then I think that's a good transition point for what's happening now and and I really want to talk about we've already kind of covered some of the the weird pedophilic propaganda going on in school so maybe we can skip that i'd really like to talk about barry uh barry vice's uh substack and the article that that abigail wrote there because you could just view it as a update (laughs) to the book and yeah i I also want to talk about the story that that the folks over at the daily wire broke last night and and put a ribbon on this one
1: yeah so um, you can go and read this on Barry Weiss's Substack. I think, uh, Abigail put it on there because Barry Weiss's Substack is bigger than hers. And they, they both seem to love each other and want to promote each other's stuff. And so Barry, uh, treats Abigail's stuff with reverence and gives it a, a place. You could of course go read it anywhere else. But Abigail basically, uh, had two doctors go on record. Um, Dr. Marcy Bowers and Erica Anderson. Um, both of these doctors, uh, as she puts it, are the um, first doctors that she's ever talked to To that are um, – let me make this point real quick. Yes, uh, they're the first doctors ever to be providers of transgender medicine to go on the record saying that there's a problem uh, with – the puberty blockers we've talked through about, about these, about all these things that the kids are going on. And they basically explicitly state they're part of uh what path, as Christopher said, W P A T H. Right. And so they are uh, transgender themselves and they're coming out and saying, you know what, this whole thing that we've been doing with these early transition is a really big problem. I, I suggest you go read it uh, just so you can hear a little bit. You're going to learn a lot. Um, we hear all the things you heard me and Christopher say, you know, and basically how the affirm method from these doctors is uh, a problem, and I think the important aspect to that, Chris, is the f- the fact that when Barry put, I'm sorry, when Abigail put out her book, um, it was verboten. It wasn't available on Amazon, and we hinted to this a little bit earlier in our conversation. It wasn't available on Amazon. It wasn't available at Target. You couldn't find it. You couldn't buy it. Uh, that kind of got rearranged a little bit as people were kind of outraged at the fact that a book was basically being digitally burned um, right. that it wasn't available in these storefronts. And, and now, because of the work that Abigail's done and bringing and raising people's consciousness on this and doing the hard work in the actual journalism to figure some of this out, you're now actually seeing a sea change in the doctors themselves coming out and speaking out against this. And I think that is, that is the power of the truth, right? And the power that it has to influence people and help them see what's going on. And I think that hopefully we continue to see more of this. It's exciting to see something that uh, has been removed from, has been by all the powers attempted to be removed from our society and has gained steam, in fact, and the lightning rod, who was willing to say this, not because she had a personal stake into it, but because she saw what was happening and needed to say something about it, is now being recognized for that and continues to be. Yeah. Um, so and, so it, it, it's
0: it, it's actually a comforting bit of news. And it's great that this is happening in the. It's great that this is happening in the medical community because the opposite I feel is happening in the state. So, yes. Exactly. There was the Daily Wire broke a story last night that effectively showed that a a girl in in a high school had been repeatedly sodomized by a boy in the women's bathroom who was wearing a skirt. Now it's not clear that this individual is transgender, however, he was able to cross dress and gain access to the women's restroom, right? Right. This happened at school, and uh, they went and and performed a rape kit, and it was it was uh, the the euphemism they used was the results of the rape kit were valuable to the prosecution. The school administration denied that anything had happened, and then the individual who committed the act apparently did it again. It's not clear whether or not he, he actually raped another girl, but he touched her forced, yeah, forced her into a room, held her down, touched her inappropriately, did those kind of things. And so far, he hasn't been charged, and that's partially because he delayed his his charge by committing another act. so I think the prosecution is is viewing their options here, seeing as mm-hmm. this is a repeat offense. One huge problem is why was he still in school? And that's a huge question, and we don't have the answer to that question yet, but based on the response of the school administration, I think we have a pretty good idea why. And then the B side to the story is that the father of the girl went to a a school board meeting to talk about his opposition to new transgender policies to tell the story of his daughter, and he was arrested, Effectively, um, and and it doesn't sound like he acted with perfect decorum, and I don't blame him one bit. Right, right. It not doesn't seem not like, one iota. Yeah,
1: it doesn't seem like people responded to his situation with the care and um, compassion that would be appropriate by anyone who was in charge of right. that situation. Right, right. The the I think his anger was. I'm not I wasn't there, and I didn't see it all, but it sounds justified.:
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and more details to come out, but but here's the final thought, and the reason we bring up these stories: The state and the activists and many of the doctors, many of the medical establishment, are sacrificing our children. this is This is nothing short. Uh, of ritualistic sacrifice And, and I, I I know that sounds perverse And like I'm going too far However if a kid is known to have Raped a little girl And you leave him at school and he repeats The offense what do you want us To believe and then you're going to defend Him by arresting her father for telling the Truth at a school board Meeting you know this This Abigail's book came out In what twenty. Eighteen twenty nineteen, 2019 sounds about right, but probably well, 20, uh... probably 2019. I think, um, late 2019, she had almost finished writing it in 2015. And now we're in late 2021 and we're finally getting an article from, from people providing right. transgender medicine and, and affirming therapy. that are saying that we're making a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. A lot of children's have, have fallen by the wayside in that time. Hunter, Hunter, that statistic one in twenty. Just uh, let it reverberate.
1: Right. Um, her book came out uh, last summer, so oh, 2020? 30, 20. But still, I mean, you're we're talking more timely
0: about, than I thought. <laughs>
1: well, you're still you're still dealing with a book that basically, I think, for all intents and purposes, settled this issue. Yeah. Um, and it took a year and a half for people to
0: not even take it seriously yet. And, and from the position of the school boards and the states and the activists, it's just gotten worse. And, and yes, here's, exactly. here, here's my point. Yes. Abigail says something at the end of the book that's very telling. A- and it's part of the point that we made earlier. She says we have to start being honest about the fact that it's wonderful to be a woman because children are listening to the way that these these feminists are talking about the patriarchy yes. they're yes. listening and they're believing it and they don't realize that we're playing a we're playing an idealistic game that if you believe in things such as the gender pay gap that you say women are oppressed in order to get more money they're but they're believing what you say at its at its face value it's amazing to be a woman here's another thing that we have to, we have to tell the truth about. We have to tell the truth about the fact that these treatments are harming girls. We have, we have to tell the truth uh, that it is not, it is not a free practice. And these transgender activists are playing an adult game, saying that we should be able to do whatever we want in the bedroom. And we should like whatever we want, and we should be able to reconfigure our bodies any way that we want. And maybe in a free society, they're right. Maybe in a free society, they're right. But the children are listening, and it gets worse. Just like the children listen to you saying that uh, the West is a horrible patriarchy, and the and the right way to be a woman is to be a man. They're also listening when you when you say that. They're listening when you say that all of their problems could be solved by transition and that gender is the fundamental building block of your your emotional well-being, which is exactly what the transgender activists are telling them. They're listening when you say that, and, and we are playing an adult game in front of the children in order to gain power, in order to gain recognition, in order to change laws. This is what the transgender activist lobby has been doing. Here's the problem. Not only are we okay with the fact that they're listening and making destructive choices, but we are sacrificing our children on the altar of Baal to further our adult ends. Yes, I, I, I believe so hard that you can never say boo about the transgender agenda that I will tell a little girl to get testosterone. Mm -hmm. I'll prevent a little girl from ever bearing a child. I'll prevent a little girl from ever having an orgasm. That's what I'll do. That's how dedicated I am to a very adult agenda that I'll impose it on the kids. How about this? I I will cover up for a kid who rapes a girl at school by wearing a dress and walking to the women's restroom. We'll say it didn't happen, and we'll let him come back to school, and we'll let him do it again. And that's another kid on the altar. These adults who will not stand up and speak for the truth and speak about the dangers of this destructive ideology running our medical institutions and running our educational institutions because they will not stand up and say, "We we have to preference the truth and not kowtow to an agenda that does not have our best interests in mind. They are sacrificing our kids one by one by one by one by one. And the state is willing to do that The progressive agenda is willing to do that because to them, the collective is all that matters. The collective is is all that matters. And each individual kid, you've got to break a couple eggs to make a a culturally homogenous omelet, an equitable omelet where no one is responsible for their choices and no one is responsible for their decisions. And you can live just exactly as pathetically as you want to Without ever taking responsibility for your own emotional state. With constantly blaming it on your situation. Constantly blaming it on the fact that you were born inherent. (laughs) Blame it on the universe itself. Blame it on the resentment of life in general. By hating what you are. It has a cost it has a cost and by by never taking responsibility for that and trying to organize a society that never forces us to take responsibility for that not even that it's worse never even forces us to think about it never forces us to think through the complications of an idea that makes us uncomfortable we are we are in our pursuit of that ill conceived miasmic utopia we are allowing children to be put on the altar and slaughtered slaughtered so that's that that's that's what the the state and the progressive agenda and the the transgender activists are doing to our children and thank you to abigail schreier for standing up and writing this book and it's our responsibility it's our responsibility to tell the truth about this when other people won't and it's not motivated out of hate it's motivated out of great compassion So
1: can't say better than that Um, guys follow the show you know where we're at we live on the socials there's a podcast put some stars on it hit the submit button we really appreciate it Um, it's always hard doing a show like this Um, it's never exciting um, it's, a, it's a difficult topic it's hard to say something and not feel like you're getting something wrong half the time because it's so charged politically you need to be mindful of your speech um, but we appreciate you guys letting us do that having these hard conversations forgiving us for the mistakes we made uh, if any along the way and we just thank you so much uh, for another chance Chris it was great talking to you I really appreciate it Same and uh, get tested <laughs>